Holy Spirit, we invite you in. Come and have it this place, Lord. We give us all of our love.
church, right now all over this place, just lift your hands if you're comfortable and say, you're so worthy, Jesus. I thank you for all the things that you've done for me in my life, in my family's lives, in the lives of my friends, in the lives of my coworkers. Lord, I worship you. I appreciate you. I give you honor and glory and power. You are worthy of all of those things, Jesus. I give you all of my worship. I give you all of myself. I thank you, Lord, for making a way where there seemed to be no way. You were the answer in that situation. And so, Lord, I'm here to magnify you. I'm here to glorify you.
just a song that we sing. This is the truth and reality of who God is. And I don't know what you might be facing today, what circumstances are staring you in the face. But I believe the Spirit of God wants to remind you this morning that He is at work in your life. No matter what you see, no matter how you feel, he is at work and there is nothing that is too big. There is nothing that is too difficult for him. And no matter how long you have been waiting, do not give up. He is at work. And you know, the thing that he wants from us is that he wants us to believe that. He wants us to trust him in the process. And so this morning, whatever it is that you might be facing, whatever circumstances of life you are looking at today, I want us to do something. I want us to just take all of that and just offer it up to God. Just lay it at his feet today. And can we lift our eyes above those things and fix our eyes on him and let him know today that we trust him, that we believe his word, and we know that he is at work in our lives. Can we do that together? Father, we come to you right now. And God, I thank you for every person 
here in this place, every person watching online, you know every detail of every life. And God, we lay all of our challenges, all of the circumstances of our life at your feet right now. And Father, we choose to lift our eyes above those things and fix our eyes on you. And God, right now, we want you to know that we believe you. We trust you. We trust that you are at work even when we can't see it. And Father, I pray right now that you would strengthen and encourage every heart, that you would cause faith and hope and confident expectation to rise up in every heart right now, God, that would carry us forward to that day when we see your word fulfilled fully in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Don't ever forget, he is at work. He is moving and working on your behalf. Oh, I'm so thankful for that, aren't you? God is entirely faithful. He's so wonderful. Oh, it's so good just to be together in the house of God. So glad you are joining us online as well. It's just awesome to worship him together today. So glad you are here. Hey, for those in the building, why don't you take a moment, say good morning to those around you before you find your seats today. family, welcome to church. We're thrilled that you're here today and we hope that you and your family enjoy our time together. We're believing that 2021 is going to be a great year and we want to spend it with you. So find your place, get connected, and let's do life together. Here's a look at what's coming up in church life. Bridgman, we are looking forward to gathering with you again this month on Saturday, March 20th. We've gotten off to a great start this year as we've been discussing truth and how we walk in it in our everyday lives. Be sure to join us this month as we continue to dig into God's Word and form stronger relationships here in the church. It's going to be a great time, so mark your calendars and we will see you at 8.30 a.m. on Saturday, March 20th for Bridgman. Bridge Youth meets every Wednesday in person and online on our YouTube channel. Hangs start at 6 p.m. and service at 7 p.m. For details about services, activities, series, and more, make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at BridgeYTH underscore. We hope to see you at Bridge Youth very soon. Bridge family, we are very excited about Easter 2021 here at the Bridge. And we want to invite you, your family, your friends, neighbors, co-workers, all the people in your world to join us on Resurrection Sunday, April the 4th. 
This year, we will be having three morning services to celebrate together at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. These will all be one-hour services with a gospel message that celebrates the resurrection of Christ and is a great opportunity to bring your friends to church and hear that message. We also have some other exciting things that are planned for that Sunday that we are looking to announce in the coming weeks. So make your plans to be here on Sunday, April 4th for Easter 2021 at the bridge. Tuesdays at 3.30, Wednesdays at 7. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Thursdays at 2.30. Tuesday morning at 10.30. Mondays at 6.30 p.m. Tuesdays 6 p.m. A las 6 cada Monday at 10 a.m. Tuesdays at 3 o'clock. Thursday, 9.30 a.m. Mondays at 6 p.m. Thursdays at 7 p.m. Friday at 7 to the bridge we want to do everything we can to help you get plugged in and find your place in this family stop by the info center after this service and say hi to our team they would love to meet you and answer any questions that you might have about the church you can also stay up to date with everything that's coming up by downloading the bridge app just text the keywords the bridge church app to 77977 and for more general info, check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. We're so glad you and your family are here with us today. Now it's time to get into God's Word. How are you doing today? Hey, it is good to see you. For those of you online with us, thanks for joining us today. It's going to be a great day. I think God's got something to say to us today. In just a minute, we're going to dig in, beginning at Isaiah 43. If you've got your Bible and you want to turn there, great. If you don't have a Bible, then don't worry about it. We'll have the verses on the screen, Isaiah 43. Before we get into God's Word, let, let me say, share one thing with you. Uh, I'm excited about Easter this year. Last year, we didn't have live Easter services. So we need to make up for it and do double this year, okay? So we're going to see if Jesus will come out of the grave twice this year, all right? I'm just, just kidding, just kidding. For those of you who are theologians, you're thinking, well, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. I know. I know, just give me grace for a minute, okay? But here's the point. It's going to be a great Easter celebration this year, three services. But something I want to share in conjunction with that, uh, there's something that's been in our hearts for several weeks now. You know, we're doing Bridge Kids during second service uh, every Sunday. Uh, volunteers have been light because some people are still watching online. And our kids, our kids need to be in kids' church. They need each other. They need the, the influence of godly people and godly friends around them. We're only doing one service right now, but we want to get back to having bridge kids every single service just as soon as possible. So let me share this with you today. Some of you are new to the bridge church. You've been to Connecting Point. Maybe some of you haven't yet. Uh, I want to encourage you to take to heart the needs of our children right now. You know, a lot of our kids haven't been in school in months and months and months, close to a year now. And they really need this time together and they need this spiritual influence in their lives. I want to encourage you to take it to heart and pray about getting involved in ministering to our children. What an opportunity 
to help shape the future. So if you have a little time or if you can carve the time to, to invest in our children, I promise you there is a place for you. When service is over today out at the, at the information center, you can stop by there. You can sign up. You can go on the church app and sign up there. We will contact you. We will let you know where you fit in and find out what gifts you've got and what you want to be involved with because we want to open up all of our services to our children just as soon as possible. And let me say one more thing. Every week, there are new people coming into the Bridge Church. A lot of them have children. I talked to a new family just yesterday, and they were telling me, well, we love, we love the services and we love the kids' service, but we like to come to the earlier service. When are you going to have kids? Let's answer that need. Let's meet that need. Let's make a place for us to get involved in that ministry. So take that to heart. Pray about it. I promise you God will use you to make a difference in some children's lives. Now let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that you have something to say to us today that hits home with every one of us. You have a word that is a right now, this moment word, and we want to open our hearts to receive it today. So I'm asking the next few minutes that every person here would hear the word, they would make a place in their heart to receive it, and then put that word to work and let it grow in their lives. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. As I said a few moments ago, I'm going to begin reading in Isaiah 43, just a moment. But I want to read today one of the great announcements that God has made in his word. If you read through the Bible cover to cover, there are a lot of announcements that God made to his people. A lot of things were prophetic in the Old Testament, but it revealed God's nature to us. And it reveals his heart for us that we see play out over and over again, even in the New Testament and even in people's lives today. And Isaiah 43 has one of those announcements that I want us to take to heart today and hear what it says. Isaiah 43, we're going to begin in verse number 16. And Isaiah takes verses 16 and 17 and he kind of introduces God. How many of you know that some people have never really been introduced to who God is? Well, Isaiah wanted to make sure that everybody knew God's nature and who he was and what he was. Here's what he says. Isaiah says this in verse 43. It says, thus says the Lord, and here's the description of God, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. Have you ever seen a road in the sea? See, Israel saw that on some occasions. Some of the prophets saw that. God dried up the waters and they walked across on dry ground. Isaiah is saying, look, let's, let's look at the nature of God. He makes a way in the sea and he makes a path through the mighty waters. Next verse, 17. He brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. And when he's finished, they shall lie down together and shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. What he's saying is, God opens up ways where there is no way. Where you can't imagine God making a way, God makes ways. We sang about it a few minutes ago. And this wasn't even pre-scheduled and pre-planned. But God's a way maker. Where there doesn't even seem to be a way to make a way, God shows up and makes a way. And then he says, anybody who rises up against God, he'll put their armies down. And when he's finished, they will be no more. That's the nature of God. But then he started in verse 17, says, thus says the Lord. Now in verse, or in 16, in verse 18, he now gets down to 
to saying what God has to say. Here's what God says. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. It's just going to pop up out of nowhere. Shall you not know it? You know, some people would say, well, does that mean you can miss it? I think what he's saying is it's going to be obvious God is doing something new and different. Then finally he says, I will even make a road in the wilderness and I'll open up rivers in the desert. Now, I, I, I want to start with this today and I want to show you three things real quickly that we see about God in, in this passage of Scripture. Number one, the Lord says, you know who I am. Nothing is impossible for me. Let that sink in today. In the busyness of life, with all the weird things we've seen the last year, some of us have forgotten that God finds nothing impossible. With God, all things are Somebody help me. Possible. See, I think God, God created the word possible and then man came along and put an I am in front of it. With man, some things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So God says, you know my reputation. You know who I am, what I have done, what I can do. I find nothing to be impossible. And, and then the second thing he says is, don't get stuck living in the past. Don't get stuck living in the past. We, do we have any seniors in the house today? I'm going to get my hand down. What am I doing here? <laughs> Don't get stuck living in the past. You know, I think spiritually, one of the biggest mistakes a lot of us make is instead of living out salvation, we live thinking about what happened 20 years ago when we received Christ. We need to live an experience with God. And then the third thing that God says, and here's what I really want to focus on today. God says, I will do something new. When you least expect it, when you look all the way around and you say, well, I don't see anything except old stuff. Nothing's new. Nothing's happening. It's just stuck. Life is not what it needs to be. When you get to that place, God says, look up because I'm about to do something new. And in the original writings, it's talking about fresh things. Is there anybody in the house who would like to see God do something fresh in your world? Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice for God to just walk in and... By his spirit, blow something new and fresh into your life. God says, that, that's who I am. That's what I do. But so many people are stuck in the past. Well, this is what's happened the last year, and this is the way things have played out, and here's where we are, and we're kind of stuck here. And God says, good, because when you get stuck, that's when I'm about to step in and blow my breath in. By my spirit, I'm about to do something new and fresh in your lives. I want to see that today. You know I think one of the things that God's really good at, if you study the word, God's really good at stepping into impossible situations and hitting the reset button, and all of a sudden, everything becomes new and fresh. He just resets things. 
That's what I'm going to talk about today. In our crazy, confused world, with all the fear, the despair, and the anger, God is still God. He has not abandoned us, so we don't need to abandon our faith. God is about to do some new things and hit a reset button in a lot of people's lives. God's going to do new things. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, you find that his entire ministry, his entire life, it was all about resets. Giving people new starts. Changing everything and letting people start over. And, and today, the next few minutes, I want to look real quickly at three stories from the ministry of Jesus that talk about three resets. So we're going to read today these parts of these stories. We're going to read just a few verses in three different sections. Mark chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse number 40 and look at this first reset. Now, a leper came to Jesus imploring him, asking him, crying out, begging him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him. And he said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as Jesus had spoken, immediately, everybody say immediately. I mean, it's like boom right now. As soon as Jesus had said, be cleansed, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. What a story. What a story to think that Jesus could meet a leper and just that fast hit the reset button and change that man's life completely. When you think about lepers, we don't deal with that in our societies much anymore. Leprosy is pretty much under control. They have drugs to fix that now and to heal that. But there are still parts of the world where there are leper colonies, where there is need. But let's just go back for just a moment to the days of Jesus, because in Jesus' day, leprosy was a horrible disease. Started with sores and then it began to eat the flesh away and eat the flesh away from the bone and destroy the body. And day after day it would spread and spread and spread. And it, it's not extremely contagious, but it is contagious. And in those days, because there was no cure, if a person was found to have leprosy, he became an outcast. He was to receive a mark, if you would, where he had to leave home. He had to leave his family. If it was a woman, she had to leave everyone she loved dearly and go outside of town and live among the other lepers and live a separate life. Couldn't enjoy real life and daily living like everybody else because of that incurable disease of leprosy. And not only did they have to live separate from everybody else, if somebody passed nearby who was not a leper, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean, don't come near me. I'm a leper. I don't want to pass this horrible disease to you. Horrible way to live. But this leper comes and falls down at Jesus' feet and says, if you're willing, you can hit a reset button and do something new and change all of this. And with the word, Jesus heals him. I can't imagine what it would have been like to live as a leper. To live with that hopelessness. 
Knowing that day after day after day, this disease is eating my body away. I'm separated from my family and friends. I can't work. I can't provide. I can't live any kind of normal life. It's just hopelessness everywhere. And I might as well die now because there's nothing to live for. Yet in our world today, there's a lot of hopelessness. Even though we're not fighting leprosy, there's hopelessness everywhere. There are people who feel like they're the outcasts of society because of things that have happened and things that have come their way in this life. You know, it isn't surprising that Jesus had compassion on this leper. It doesn't surprise me at all. Everywhere that Jesus went and saw needs, he had compassion. It it doesn't even surprise me that Jesus would cleanse him and heal him and make him whole. That doesn't surprise me. The thing that surprises me most is that when this man came and fell down before Jesus and asked for cleansing, Jesus didn't just have compassion. Jesus did the unthinkable. He reached out and laid his hands on him. Please, I'm I'm not playing games with you today. But to imagine living in a world with leprosy, I mean, again, I'm not being smart, but we're masked up. We've got stuff all over us. Ann and I were traveling this week, and I saw a guy in the airport. I mean, it was looked like he just came from the, from the hospital ward, and he had all kinds of garb on and, and stuff around his ankles to tie up his suit, the big shield on his head. And, and I watched this guy, and I thought, man, this guy is living in fear and hopelessness that if he gets sick, he's not going to make it. And as I watched this, And as I read this story last night and I was thinking through these verses, I couldn't stop but realize there are a lot of people in our world who don't have any hope for today or tomorrow or for eternity. They need Jesus. They need a reset. Jesus reached out and touched him. See, we're living in a world that, you know, we're we're afraid of everything. We're afraid to get too close to anybody. I mean, we're now being told we have to stay six feet apart. Smile for a minute. It's a little bit heavy in the house. Somebody got your tape measures out, making sure we're safe here. Got to stay six feet. Jesus reached down and laid his hands on this leper. Spoke the word and cleansed him. You see, nothing frightens God. Nothing. There are those of you sitting in this room today. There are those of you watching online. You've kind of come to a place in life where things are looking a little hopeless. I'm not talking down to you today. I'm here to tell you there's hope for you. There's a God who cares about you. There's a God who wants to meet you right where you are, right with what you're dealing with, where you may be ashamed, you may may be embarrassed. A lot of things may be going on. God wants to step into your life and lay his hands on you, hit the reset button, and give you a new start and make all things new. He wants to do that for you today because that's his nature. Nothing frightens God. Let me tell you today. Whatever you're dealing with, it doesn't scare God. He's not afraid to lay his healing, cleansing hands on you. Are you hopeless? Do you feel like a leper? Do you feel like you've been rejected and nobody wants you? Jesus wants you. 
If you'll come to his feet today, I promise you, he'll lay his hands on you, meet you right where you are. Number two, the second story, Luke chapter five. Several weeks ago, Zach taught from this passage of scripture, and I want to go back to it, not reteach what he taught, but I want to just share a couple things in conjunction with it. Luke chapter five, Jesus has got a multitude of people coming to him. It's in the early part of his ministry. The crowds are just coming from everywhere. He's down by the Sea of Galilee and this huge group of people are coming. They want to hear his teaching and the crowd is so big it's hard to be heard by everybody. Didn't have the sound systems and the lighting and the setup we've got here. So Jesus is thinking, how, how do I minister and speak to all these people at once? And he had an idea. He had them all gather along the side of the sea as the, as the land would go up and there was kind of a natural amphitheater. And then Jesus got out into a boat one of the fishermen had. And he knew if I get on, out in that boat, my voice will carry across that water and with that natural amphitheater, I can speak to all these people at one time with one message. So Jesus goes down and to the early part of his ministry, he finds these fishermen, one of whom was Simon Peter, and he asked Peter, Peter, can I borrow your boat because I want to speak to these people? Here's what happens. Verse 3 Luke, of Luke 5. Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Jesus sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, now we don't know exactly how long Jesus taught. We don't know how long the message was, but it was long enough that he wanted to sit down and do it from the boat. So Jesus finishes this message. He says to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now think about this. Jesus has just spent a period of time teaching from this guy's boat. Jesus finishes, takes the boat ashore, gets out of the boat, turns to Peter and says, now take this boat out, let your nets down and catch some fish. Verse number Five. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, I want to pause here for just a moment because I want to make sure you see this picture. Zach alluded to this and spoke about it the Sunday he, he preached. Jesus was raised in a carpenter's shop. He knew how to build boats. But Peter was a fisherman. How many fishermen we got in the house? Don't you hate it when somebody who's not a fisherman tries to tell you how to catch fish? He's like, dude, you don't even know what you're talking about. Gary Sherman, are you here today? There's Gary. Gary, this guy catches bass. I asked him one day, I said, Gary, have you caught any bass? Yeah, man, I caught a five-pounder. Wow, five-pound largemouth bass at where? Lake Paris. Wow, that's pretty amazing. He said, no, it's not. My wife caught a seven-pounder. I, I talk to Gary about catching fish, but I don't tell Gary how to catch fish because he knows how to catch fish. He doesn't need his pastor telling him how to catch fish. I'm sure Peter's thinking, Jesus, you're a carpenter. You don't know how to catch fish. I catch the fish. You build the boats. You build the boat. I catch the fish. But don't tell me how to catch fish. But Peter says, here, notice what he says, Jesus, we've toiled all night. You see, it's not like he's out there with a rod and reel doing this or th puts his bait on the hook and just throws it out and sits there. These guys are dropping down nets. Let it sit a few minutes. And they pull it in and pull in the fish. And he says, all night we've done this. And we caught nothing. 
If you read the other gospels and put the whole story together, some of the guys are cleaning their nets because, you know, nets get dirty. Some of the guys are cleaning their nets. Some of them are washing them. Some are mending the nets because they get ragged and torn. It's hard work being a fisherman. It's hard work. And Peter said, man, we've done it all night. We're weary. We want to go home and sleep for a while. But Jesus, if you tell us to let down the nets, we'll do it. Verse 6, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would like your job, your business, to be going so well that it was about to bust at the seams. Anybody? One, two, okay. Just want to make sure you're in the boat with me, okay, before we go on here. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Then verse 7, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats and they were so full that they began to sink. Let me tell you something. There's some people in the house today, the last year you've been running and scrambling trying to figure out how am I going to make this work. Can I tell you something? You need to get Jesus involved in your business. This is good preaching today if you don't know it. You need to get Jesus involved. Jesus borrows Peter's boat. Jesus ministers, he teaches, and then when he gets finished, then Jesus, the carpenter, gets in Peter's business. Let me tell you something. One of the best things that ever happens to you is for Jesus to get in your business. Boy, when it comes to business, I, 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 God, that's mine. I built that. I'm doing that. You leave that alone. You don't know. You, you may have been the son of God, but you don't know about business. Leave my business alone. A lot of people think that way. So he, he instructs Peter, Peter, go back out and catch some fish. Let down the nets. I mean, after failing all night, Peter's weary. He's tired. He's thinking about, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to do this? How I, we went out and fished all that time and caught nothing. What are we going to do? He's weary, and then he goes out and says to Jesus, okay, if that's what you want us to do, we'll do it. And then he makes this massive catch so big that he calls in James and John, his partners, and they get their boat, and their boats are jammed full of fish. It's a record catch. They've never seen anything like it. You see, Jesus wasn't frustrated by Peter's failure or his weariness. didn't bother Jesus because it was time for a reset. It was time for Peter to learn something that would change his life. And Jesus had some new instructions for him. Peter, you need to go back out and drop those nets down the other side over. If you'll just drop them down on that side, you'll catch fish. And sure enough, there was a record catch. See, a lot of us think, well, God doesn't care about my business. God doesn't care about my finances. God's not concerned about my material things. And I think the reason we think that is because a lot of us have never allowed Jesus to borrow our boats. This is good preaching. Oh, these are tough times. 
We need a reset. You don't know what I've been through the last year. We need something new. We need God to put his hand down and say, let me do something fresh in your life and in your business. See, Jesus said that God cares so much about you, he knows the very number of hairs on your head. You say, well, that's easy for you because he didn't have to count very long. <clears throat> yeah, but it's not so easy because the number's constantly changing. But all of us, he knows. A sparrow falls from the sky, he knows it. And we think, well, God's not concerned about my business. Are you kidding me? The God who created us to live on his earth, and we think he doesn't care about those material things, those challenges that we're dealing with? The problem is we're taught to leave God out of our business. The best thing you ever do is let Jesus borrow your boat. Man, I should have made this just one sermon by itself. This is good. So here, here's human nature. Because I, I know what some of you are thinking. Because I'm human too. Human nature says, okay, God, if you'll bless me, I'll let you borrow my boat. God, if you'll just bless me, if you'll do this and this and this, then, then you, can, you can borrow my boat. You can use it for a morning. You can, you can preach. You can share your message from my boat if you'll bless me. Problem is, God doesn't really need my boat, but I really need him in my boat. I want to stay here a minute. Wow. Holy Spirit's talking to some people today. God needs to be the material priority in our lives. If we leave him out of any area of our lives, we're on our own. We need him in the boat. See, I've been doing this a lot of years now, and I've learned something through all these years. People who get God in their boat who let Jesus borrow their boat, people who are walking in covenant with God, financially trusting God, those people are blessed. And they understand we are blessed to be a blessing. See, everybody wants to be blessed, but we got to understand why we're blessed. We're blessed so that our needs are supplied so we can be a blessing to other people. If you get that in your boat, you'll see Jesus bless your boat. You'll see Jesus bless the material things in your lives. And I'm, I know, I know, I know, I know. Online, there are people watching right now. You need a reset in this area of your life. It's time to let God change some thinking and do some new things. And he's here to do just that today. Then the third story, and I, I got to finish quickly. <clears throat> Luke chapter 19. There's a story about this guy named... Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, but he was more than just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. He was evidently a short guy. He wasn't real tall like me. He was a shorter man. I'm 5'8". Okay? They, they say the average person in America is like 5'8 half, so I'm about average. So I'm not a short guy, just so you know. Did you know most people are average? 
So you try to be cute with me. So Jesus is passing through Jericho. Now you got to get this. Jesus is passing through Jericho. Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector, which probably meant he had a lot of tax collectors under his supervision. He taught them how to collect taxes. Well, they collected taxes for the Roman government for the most part. And what was worse was many tax collectors were dishonest. And they'd go to the door and say, okay, if, if they owed $20 in taxes, they'd say, oh, you owe $25 in taxes. And they would put five in their pocket and take the other 20 back to the chief. That was common. So tax collectors were hated because they worked for the Roman government to a great extent and they were dishonest. So Zacchaeus was seen as a horrible guy because he's a chief tax collector. He's the one that trains these crooks. That's how he's seen. Now look at verse 5 of Luke 19. Jesus is passing through Jericho and so Zacchaeus climbs up in this tree because he's heard about Jesus and he wants to get a good look at him. He can't see over the crowd because, like I said, he's a short guy. So he gets up in the tree and he's waiting for Jesus to pass by. Here's what happens, verse 5 of Luke 19. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, Zacchaeus, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus made haste, came down, and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, just talking about religious people. Have you ever known a religious person? Had a form of godliness, but didn't really pay much attention to the power of God. That's what he's talking about. When, when these religious guys saw it, they all complained. And they said, Jesus has gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. Can you imagine that? Jesus hanging out with the sinner? Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 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 I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today, today, right now, salvation has come to this house because he is also is a son of Abraham. What Jesus said to Zacchaeus was, Zacchaeus, I'm about to do a reset in your life. Everything's about to change. Your future is going to be different from your past. There's some people watching online. There may be some people in the house today. You need a whole reset. That's what Jesus came for. That's what Jesus came to do. If you read verse number 10, Jesus said, The Son of Man has come to seek. And to save that which was lost. Even the guilty need a reset. Even those who are living in shame because of what they've been and what they've done. They need a reset. And there's hope. Because of Jesus. See, these religious leaders said, of, of all the people we hate and despise... He's one of the worst. His reputation goes before him. He's not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. He is a thief. He's a cheat. He's a horrible man. He is a sinner. How could Jesus go to someone's house with that reputation? What we find is Jesus was not embarrassed by the reputation of Zacchaeus. Actually, Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus. 
Jesus called him by name. And Zacchaeus answered. And a reset happened in his life. Everything became new. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what your reputation is. Jesus knows your name and your address. Let me tell you something else. Jesus is not embarrassed to come to your house for dinner. He might even invite himself over the way he did with Zacchaeus. Because he's got something important for you to hear today. You need a reset. You need God to do something new. The God who finds nothing impossible. The God who says, don't don't live in the past. Don't accept the way things are. Look forward. I want to do new things. This God is calling your name today. Some of you sitting in the house or online, maybe right now your heart's flipping over and something's stirring inside of you. That's the Spirit of God saying to you, I want to give you a brand new start. I want to give you a reset. I've got some new things for your life. See, Jesus made it very clear to the religious folks. You can sit in your little groups and talk about how wonderful and how sinless you are. I came to save those who are lost. And he's calling us by name. The question is, will we answer? Just before I close, I want to refer real quickly to one other story. We, we use it from time to time in our messages because it's, it's just a great story. This woman who's taken in the act of adultery by the religious leaders. They bring her in and they, they throw her at the feet of Jesus, throw her down in the dirt and she's naked. They said, Jesus, this woman's reputation is horrible. She's an adulteress. She's scum of the earth. Look at her. She's naked. We caught her in the act. She deserves to die. The law of Moses says we should stone her. What do you say? It's interesting that Jesus would stoop down and begin to ride in the dirt because he was deflecting their eyes and their attention away from this naked woman to what he was writing in the dirt. We don't know for sure what he wrote. But he's shielding her and deflecting attention away from the accusers. Let me tell you something. God's not embarrassed with your past. You may be embarrassed. You may look over the shoulder and carry the scars of a lot of poor decisions. Doesn't embarrass God. He'll still call your name. And maybe today he is knocking on the door. Of your heart. See, I think maybe, just maybe, as Jesus looks down at this woman, he's riding in the dirt, he, he, he turns to those guys and says, Okay, she deserves to die, we'll stone her. But let the one without sin throw the first stone. And one by one, they walk away until nobody's there except the woman and Jesus. And Jesus was without sin. He could have said, well, I'm the only one here to do this, so I'll do the job myself. I'll stone her. I'll kill her. I'll take her life. But instead, Jesus turns to the woman, and she's laying there in the dirt with her head down, and she says, woman, 
Where are the people who are bringing up your past? Where are the people who are putting their fingers out at you and accusing you? Where are they now? And she lifts up her head and looks around and says, I don't see anyone but you. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I want to reset your life. I want to give you a brand new life that's different than the old life. I think maybe in the middle of all of that, just perhaps, Jesus had in mind that he was on a journey to the cross where he was going to pay the price for her sin, her shame, her mistakes, and mine, and yours, and everybody's. Realizing he was about to go to the cross to give all of us a reset button in our lives. Take away the shame. Bring us into his family. See, the cross is the place where everything gets reset and new things come from God. Today, you may, you may be at the end of your road, and as I finish this message, I want you to listen closely. You may be at the end of your road when you get to the end of your road and it's a dead end, Jesus knows how to make a brand new road for you. Because he says, I will do new things. New things. It's interesting through the years, been a lot of people I've run across in church who've come and after they stay in church for a while, they get comfortable and they say, we, we, we want to tell you our story. We were afraid to tell you earlier because we were afraid if you knew what we had been, you wouldn't want us in the church. Let me tell you something. The blood of Jesus was shed upon the cross. He paid the price for our sins, our mistakes, our rebellion. He paid the price for all of it, including our guilt, our shame, our embarrassment. He paid it all so that we could become trophies of his grace and find that brand new start in him. So what are you facing today? I want to pray for you. What are you facing today? Individually, not just as a church. Individually, as people. What are you facing today? Are you hopeless? Is the future scary? Nothing frightens God. He's not afraid to reach out and touch you right where you are. Are you weary? Are you tired? Have you been struggling and nothing's working out right? Nothing intimidates God. Nothing. He wants to bless your life. Or maybe you're, maybe you're carrying guilt. Maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe you're ashamed. Nothing embarrasses God. He'll take you in just as you are. Hit the reset button and change everything forever. It's time for a reset today. I believe God is in the house God is in your house if you're watching online today to bring a reset into your life. But the last thought, when the leper came to Jesus, he fell at Jesus' feet and asked for help. When Jesus went to the lake to speak to all those people, Jesus found Peter and Peter said, here, you can use my boat. There's some faith, some action involved here. When Jesus called Zacchaeus' name, he jumped out of that tree and he ran to Jesus and said, please come to my house. I need your help. 
I want to pray for you today, and I want to ask you, with your faith, open your heart to God and let God begin something new. Would you bow your heads today? While heads are bowed, just for, just for 20 seconds, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. How many in the house would just lift a hand? Let me see it, and then you put it right back down and just say, Gary, I, I need God to do a reset in some area of my life. Let me see your hands. Just hold them up. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to take that. I want you to lift it to God in faith right now. Father, in Jesus' name, all over this house, there are people who are looking to you. We need miracles. God, we look at situations today in the natural, and it looks like there is no way out. It looks impossible. But you are the God who finds nothing impossible. And I ask that right now by your spirit, you would reach down and just tap people's hearts, open them to you, Father, let them know you care, that you have compassion on them. Just as you had compassion on that leper that day, let them know you care about where they are and what's going on. And I ask you right now, as they reach up to you in faith and give you that area of need, you respond to them, begin to work in their life. Father, I'm praying for miraculous things to happen in people, which will change circumstances around people today. I'm asking for it in Jesus' name. God, even in this room and online, as we look to you right now, we take all of our mistakes, all of our sin. We lay it at your feet. And Father, we pray this prayer together. I'm going to ask everybody in the house, if you're watching online, open your heart, wrap your faith around these words. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, God, I need you. And I come to you. I believe you're able to change everything. So I give you my life. I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I want to learn your ways. I want to follow you. From this day forward, you'll be my father. I'll be your child. I want to learn from you. Thank you for loving me and receiving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. But just before Pastor Corey comes, I want to share something with you. You've heard God's word today, God speaking to people. I know that I know that I know God's speaking to people. I don't want you to miss what God has for you. So Pastor Corey's going to give you some instructions of how you can receive a little booklet we have for you called The Next Seven Days. It'll just teach you how to start walking this relationship out with God. So would you give Pastor Corey a hand as he comes right now? Amen, amen. Hey, can we say thank you to Pastor Gary for that awesome message this morning? One of the coolest things that could possibly happen just happened, and many people here in the house and watching online just gave their life to Jesus. And so we really feel like it's our obligation and it's our responsibility to help you walk out the next couple days in your faith journey. And so if you're here, uh, we want to get you a gift called The Next Seven Days. And if you're here in the house, you could get it in one of two ways. Number one, you can meet some of our prayer teams right down in the lower level of the auditorium right after service. If you're in a big rush before you get outside, right in the middle of the glass doors, there's a table set up right there. You'll see the next seven days graphic above it. You can stop there, say, hey, I, I, I prayed the prayer. Can I get the booklet? Our prayer teams, you can tell them the same. I prayed that prayer. Can I get the booklet? 
Uh, they're there to pray for you if you have any prayer needs at all. If you are watching online, you can get the next seven days in a few ways. Number one, there is a connect tab right there. You can click that link. It'll take you. You can let us know, hey, I, I prayed the prayer. Can I get the booklet? If you can't find that, if all else fails, because sometimes technology fails, just DM us, direct message us on any one of our social media platforms, next seven, and we will handle the rest. One more time, can we welcome people into God's family? So, so, so cool. Hey, so this is the moment in service where we get to worship God with our giving. And last week you heard Pastor Zach um, kind of talk a little bit about youth ministry and, and what God's doing. And, and I just thought really quick, I'd share a story with you of something that happened last week. We met a young lady, my wife and I, um, she's a senior in high school and she let us know she had never before been to church. And I said, oh, you haven't been to church lately? She's like, no, I've never been to church. And I recently got saved through your guys' ministry I don't know what to do next. She said, what's next? As a pastor, one of, your, one of the favorite things like you can ever hear in ministry is when someone gets saved and they go, what's next? I have no clue. It's so awesome. And it's like, well, you know, you want to read the Bible? She said, I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I started in Genesis. And I was like, go to the Gospels. Start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And she's like, what's a gospel? What's a New Testament? She had no clue. All she knew was she got saved and she was ready to take her next steps. We, we got her involved with next seven days, all that sort of stuff. Can I just tell you, I know that many of you here and watching online, you don't get to hear these stories often, but they are happening all the time through our ministry and they wouldn't be possible without a faithful God and faithful people like you who invest in the ministry. So can I just say, as your youth pastor, as one of the pastors on staff, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. There's a handful of options you see on the screen right there. Um, if you're here, you wanna give a physical gift, there's two ways that you can do that. There's drop boxes right before you get to uh, giving stations, before you get to the foyer. Then when you get to the foyer, you can turn right and you give right there. If you're watching online, any one of these options will work for you as well. Hey, before you go today, two things. Number one, in second service, uh, after this service, to my left, your right, over in the music and arts room, we're doing what's called connecting point. If you're here and you're like, I want to get involved, I don't know what my next steps are, I want to make Bridge Church my home, this is the best way. These are your first steps. You can sign up either in the app or just stop at our info center. They'll get you all the details. Also, Kids ministry is kicking off in both services and there's opportunity to serve in our kids ministry. Our kids ministry rocks. We love Bridge Kids so much. If you want any info on that, also stop at the info center. Hey, have you guys enjoyed being in church today? I know I have. 